you all from Worcester Talking News in conjunction with Worcester News and Equipment Services for the Visually Impaired. Today we're recording the week beginning Friday the 18th of August until today the 24th of August. 24th of August. The team this evening are Patsy, Peter, Michael and myself Kate and our engineer is Barry. All administration and copying is done by Carol Hartle and her team who ensure you all receive your wallets each week and we um, are very grateful to, to them for all the hard work that they do behind the scenes. We warmly welcome everyone and are always pleased to hear of new listeners. So do let us know um, if you are a new listener and let us know your birthday too. The service is entirely free and includes your Worcester news and also a regular magazine. Plus, of course, our talking book service is available to you as well. Uh, so you just ring us and uh, or put a note in your wallets and request um, to have the list for, for the books and you can have whatever you want. Don't be afraid to contact us. Uh, we don't always answer the phone immediately. We aren't here all the time. But if you do phone, you will get a, a response uh, at some stage, uh, a few day, perhaps a couple of days later. We do enjoy hearing from you, good or bad. Um, and uh, please uh, don't hesitate to, to ring us up. We will bring you, as always, this week's headline stories and other interesting articles, some useful telephone numbers, local entertainment, some sports stories, and of course birthdays and sunrise and sunset. The thought for the week and the obituaries will follow at the end. And I'll quickly remind you um, again to be alert for scam callers at your door, on the phone and via email or letters. There are quite a number of these going around at the moment uh, and they're, they're quite clever so you have to be a little bit sharp um, and d just don't respond to anything. Um, don't give any details, bank details or anything like that out to anyone. Um, and uh, for your health uh, in this strange weather that we're getting, <laughs> mixture of weather, please remember to keep well hydrated. So lots of cups of tea, cups of coffee, squash, etc. throughout the day uh, and to keep yourself well hydrated. Um, now, I've looked in the birthday book, but there isn't anyone down to have a birthday this week that we have a record of. But if it is your birthday, we do all wish you a very happy birthday. Um, and now um, Peter will ring, read the telephone numbers that uh, will be of help to you, I hope, uh, should you need them. Hello. Useful telephone numbers. Worcester Talking News 01905 76 77 66. Police Non-Emergency 101 NHS Direct 111 Out of Hours Medical Assistance Between 6pm and 8pm 0300 123 Crime Stoppers 0800 555 111 Community Risk Team Fire Safety 0800 032 1155 Domestic Abuse Helpline 0800 980 Worcestershire County Council here to help 01905 768 053 Request Option 3 Worcester Hub 01905 765 765 
Sense Adventures Walking for the Visually Impaired, telephone D. Jones on 01684 891 796 or mobile 07920 144 www.senseadventures.co.uk Samaritans, free phone number 116123 Worcester Theatres, box office 01905 611 427 Malvern Theatre Box Office, 01684 892277. Norbury Theatre Droitwich Box Office, 01905 770154. Number 8 Theatre Pershaw Box Office, 01386 555488. National Grid, formerly Western Power, Telephone 0800 917 7953, a 24-hour service. Use this in the event of a power cut. There is a priority service registered free on 0800 032 8302 who will provide information, for example, in Braille or large print or alternative languages. Thank you. Today's weather, not really today's, is it? Well, today's weather and sunrise and sunset, mm. if you would. So, sunrise, 6.05am, sunsets, 8.17pm. Thank you, Patsy. Uh, now, entertainment in Worcester. Uh, Worcestershire, really. Um, in Malvern, at Malvern Theatre. Um, now, tomorrow night, if you're on your toes and you want to see the Big Country Music Show, that's on at Malvern Theatre. Um, and uh, classics from Johnny Cash, Dolly Parton, John Denver, Kenny Rogers, Willie Nelson, Shania Twain and the Eagles. So that sounds quite good. And that's at 7.45 tomorrow evening. Uh, and on Saturday, a uh, tribute to the Carpenters. Uh, and that starts at 7.45 on Saturday evening. Then there's a George Michael uh, tribute which is the 9th of September at 7.45, which also sounds... Well, that's coming direct from London's West End. So I think that'll be quite an event. Now, if you're a Gilbert and Sullivan fan, um, there's plenty to be had at Morven again. Now, on the 7th of September until the 9th, uh, they're doing the Mikado, the Yeoman of the Guard and the Pirates of Penzance in, in that order. Now, if you'd like to see all three, you can get 25% off your price. If you want to see one of them, um, Mikado is on the 7th, the Yeoman of the Guard on the 8th, and the Pirates of Penzance on the 9th. Um, and they begin at um, 2.30 and 7.30. So they've, they've got a matinee with both of them, all of them. So that's quite useful for you. Uh, and don't forget, you do get your 25% off if you go to all three. Oh, 15% off if you go to two. So that sounds as though that might be interesting to some, to some of you. Um, right, number eight uh, at, in Pershore. Uh, we have... Jack Boskett, Railways to Royalty. This is a Rotary Club of Pershaw presentation um, talking about 
all sorts of things about the air ambulance and also various things that um, he's he's uh, been looking at and um, reviewing and taking photographs of. So that might be worth seeing. That's um, that's the second of September at seven thirty. Um, then uh, we have the Royal Opera, uh, which is one of these ones that comes from the Royal Opera House, London. And that these are quite spectacular. That's on the 21st of September, so that's jumping ahead a little bit. But it's does Rheingold, um, and they are excellent. They really are. That's well worth it, uh, being there for that. 7.15, that starts on the dot, and you have to be there for when it starts. Um, and uh, the other thing there is... I'll have something else there. Just one moment... Uh, Andre Rieu, which I can never pronounce, uh, Love is All Around. Um, this is from Maastricht. Uh, and uh, this concert is on the 26th of August, which is uh, this Saturday, and on Sunday. Uh, 26th, it's on at 7pm, and on Sunday, it's on at 3pm. The tickets are £18, and it lasts for three hours, including an interval. So that might be something that uh, you'd enjoy. There's quite a bit there at, at Pershaw, if you can get that, get to those things. Now in Worcester, coming back to Worcester, um, we have uh, on Wednesday the 6th of September, the story of Guitar Heroes. And I think this is, quite, this is a, um, several musicians coming on the stage and playing music from various uh, guitar players over the years, which uh, I think is going to be quite something. And then on the fifteenth uh, of September, we're going right ahead here a bit, I'm afraid. One night in Dublin, which um, I would think will be singing and dancing for uh, for you to enjoy. Um, Martin Turner, ex Wishbone Ash, is on tour, and he is coming to Worcester on the tenth of September to Huntingdon Hall. Um, now, I haven't details of what time or anything for that, so you would need to ring the box office to get more details, but it is the 10th of September, and I advise you to book early for that because that will probably be very, very popular. Um, now, excuse me uh, being a bit disjointed here, but I've got quite a few things to tell you. Um, the Norbury Theatre in Droitwich, um, they have a play called PM.com, and that is on the 20th to the 23rd of September. They haven't got anything at the moment on the, uh, for you to go and uh, enjoy. Uh, there is nothing at all in August. I think they perhaps shut down or do lots of children's activities. And then they're also advertising Oklahoma, which is the 18th to the 28th of October. Um, that's at the Norbury Theatre in Droitwich. Um, now, Pershaw... Um, this weekend is the uh, the Plum Festival in Pershaw, so um, there's quite a bit going on there. So if uh, if plums are your thing, <laughs> go out there. But I think there might be a few people around, so be careful. Um, it's a big big plum weekend at the Angel Hotel Pershaw, and there's free live music to to listen to to celebrate 25 years of the festival. Um, there's also, uh, I think you can buy pear, plums in the town and there'll be people, uh, all sorts of activities going on around in the town. So it might be worth a look and probably things to do in the Abbey as well. They, they usually have the Abbey going uh, with, with various concerts and so on there. Um, and uh, I've got a couple of 
just a couple of things that I've, I've picked out here that I thought you might enjoy. Um, Droitwich Spa and District Horticultural Show. Now, that is on um, Monday the 28th, next Monday, and starts at 1pm. And it's a traditional flower and pro produce show uh, returning for its 73rd year. Variety of classes for all the family to enter. There'll also be stores and entertainment during the afternoon. Uh, and that's at Droitwich Spa Leisure Centre in Briar Mill, Droitwich. So that's uh, a bit of a variety of things for you to all enjoy. Um, so I uh, hope that helps a little bit. And now the headlines for uh, this week, starting with Michael, please. Thank you. Save our pubs. That's the front page headline on Friday the 18th. Calls to protect city's historic venues after crooked house controversy. Councillor's pub warning. This could happen in Worcester. That's the warning amid calls to protect city pubs from a similar fate to the crooked house in Himley. St John's councillor, Richard Udall, fears for the future of some of the, some of the city's most historic pubs and has called for more action to protect them. He's calling for historic pubs to be listed or provide more financial support to keep them open after the crooked house was destroyed by fire and then demolished without permission. The building was demolished in August after a suspected arson attack on Saturday, August the 5th. Councillor Udall said, It was a remarkable pub. I know the pub and have been there a few times. I was devastated and it's such a shame it's happened. This could happen in Worcester. We need to develop a register of historic pubs in the city, provide them with protection by giving them listed status and provide support to ensure they remain commercially viable. We've already lost too many Worcester pubs. We need to act to protect the few which remain. The councillor fears the pub's historic, but unlisted pubs could suffer the same fate if more is not done to protect and preserve them. However, a spokesman from Worcester City Council said, councils are also able to add pubs and other buildings to a local list with the agreement of the owner. Councillor Udall said, there are so many pubs in Worcester. We should not allow our pubs to disappear without doing anything about it. It's very easy to dispose of a pub. It's easy to convert a pub into a store and we need to do a lot more to protect them. We've had 10 pubs close in the past 30 years at St John's and only gained one. It was very sad that the Garibaldi on Broad Bromyard Road is set to be converted to four flats. Drake's Drum, The Bush and The Copper Tops are just some of the pubs that have closed down in the area. Councillor Udall said, We need to identify the historic pubs in Worcester, which are not listed, and do more to protect them. We should give them financial support. Pubs are a part of our history and culture, and we should do what we can to save them. Councillor Udall also plans to issue a motion at the council meeting in September. Worcester City Council spokesman said any buildings that are listed already enjoy a level of protection. If there's a direct threat to a building, councils can serve a building preservation notice, effectively giving a listed status for up to six months. Right, headlines for Saturday and Sunday, August the 19th, August the 20th, Raging Field Blaze Terror. Relief after field blaze. 
Lucky homeowners have spoken of the terrifying moment that they thought a raging field fire would engulf their homes and they would lose everything. A blazing old Malvern Road in Powick came just feet from their homes as some were evacuated or rushed to move their cars. Jonathan Edmondson, who lives in a semi-detached house next to the field, was one of those forced to flee with his family. Describing how the Poic field fire moved fast, the blaze came just four foot from his house on Thursday evening. We were fast asleep and didn't know anything was going on. This fire moved fast. We were lucky, he said, praising the hard work of firefighters. Four crews attended after a 999 call at 11.46pm, three from Worcester and one from Malvern, plus the water carrier from Evesham, off-road vehicles from Wire Forest and Malvern, and the service drone and incident command unit from Ledbury. Seven homes and 11 residents had to be evacuated as the fire ripped through 4.3 hectares of standing crop as firefighters used two extended hose reels with beaters to protect nearby properties. The 57-year-old left his home with his wife, 22-year-old son and their dog and cat, their passports and mobile phones. He was asleep in bed when he heard knocking outside as neighbours raised each other, warning villagers of the danger, as Mr Edmondson and his wife praised the spirit of community in Powick. My son came running and said, there's a fire, we've got to go. I rang the brigade, but it had already been logged, he said. Mr Edmondson said an off-duty paramedic who saw the fire raised the alarm and also knocked on people's doors with a resident. He said the fire crackling through the corn sounded like water or rainfall, describing the flames as the height of the garage. The field was left largely charred and scorched where the fire rampaged towards the homes. Mr Edmondson added, the fire looked like it was literally up against the fence. My wife thought we were going to lose the house. It got quite close. I am relieved. I was thinking of all the wildfires in Greece. It looked like the fire was moving from left to right across the field. It was moving really fast. I was quite scared. We've lived here 20 years and we've never had anything like that happen. The fire service were really good and reassured people. In particular, he said the fire service checked very thoroughly for embers to make sure there were no further fires. And the headline on Monday, August the 22nd, 21st, sorry, uh, burglar jailed day after raid, prolific thief behind bars in double quick time. A burglar and prolific thief has been jailed in double-quick time after a rapid response placed him behind bars the day after he carried out a house raid. Ashley Barnes was sentenced for the house burglary in Battenhall in Worcester at Kidderminster Magistrates Court on Thursday, the day after he carried out the failed raid. The 34-year-old was jailed for 29 weeks in total. We reported how police descended on Battenhall in force on Wednesday, August the 16th, and made the arrest as the housebreaker was cornered in a garden in Timberdine Avenue. Barnes of Sanson Place was was Worcester, was not sorry, was also subject to a 12-week suspended sentence order at the t- order at the time of the burglary and thefts, which was actually in full. 
I'm sorry, that that doesn't make too much sense. I'm sorry about that. But uh, anyway, I think you'll probably grasp what, what it says. He received 17 weeks for the prison sentence, which will run consecutively to a 12-week suspended sentence, making the 29 weeks total. No separate penalties were imposed for a shop theft at JD Sport in the Shambles on Wednesday or an earlier shop theft on Tuesday. Detective Inspector Dave Knight said this is a great example of multiple police units working together, including the Neighbourhood Crime Fighting Team and the Worcester Safer Neighbourhood Teams. The efforts of the officers on the ground and the hard work overnight by officers working excessive hours secured the charging authority from CPS, which ultimately led to this swift result. South Worcestershire Police take acquisitive crime seriously and work hard to ensure thieves are brought to justice. A suspect was later tracked down and found in a garden on Timberdine Avenue and arrested at around 10.40am on Wednesday. City Centre Police were supported by officers from the new neighbourhood crime fighting team who were also on patrol in the area at the time. A spokesperson for Worcester SNT said this was a great result for the community, apprehending and arresting a suspected shoplifter so swiftly after the alarm was raised. We were able to do this thanks to support of our colleagues in the neighbourhood crime fighting team. There were large numbers of police seen in Battenhall Road. Several fighting for life after motorway crash <clears throat> multiple multiple people were rushed to hospital fighting for their lives after a serious M5 crash. A black Nissan Qashqai crashed into a rear of a white Mercedes camper van that was stationary on the hard shoulder just after the Junction 8 slip road. Several people were hurt and an air ambulance was called to the scene along with police at 5.30pm on Friday, August the 18th. The driver of the Nissan and the front passenger treated for minor injuries but the rear passengers suffered life-threatening injuries. All passengers of the Nissan were taken to Worcester Royal Hospital, the occupants of the Mercedes van were treated at Gloucester Royal Hospital and the passenger has since been discharged with injuries to her back. The northbound motorway was closed for several hours with several miles of queues backing up. National Highway said traffic was diverted from the area using the exit and entry slip roads. The road was reopened in the early hours of the morning following police investigations. No arrests have been made. Police are now appealing for witnesses who may have seen the crash take place. A spokesperson for West Mercia Police said anyone with information about this collision is asked to call PC Rob Taylor on 101 extension 773-3408 or email, or email him at rob. Taylor at westmercia.police.uk Dog mauled a boy to death of age two. A toddler was mauled to death by a Rottweiler belonging to his grandmother. An inquest has ruled. Two-year-old Lawson Bond died after being attacked by a dog in the garden of his home in Egdon near Worcester on March the 28th last year. Worcestershire's senior coroner David Reed ruled that Lawson's death was the result of misadventure after the two-year-old had managed to untie a security chain on a gate separating the main garden from the kennels and entered a field used for exercising where he was then attacked. Lawson had been playing in the garden before he was attacked while his grandmother Maria 
cleaned out the kennels used to house the older dogs. She had left Lawson to play in the garden and entered the house to go to the toilet, where she stayed for between two and ten minutes to talk to her son, Reese. She returned to find the chain had been removed from the gate and Lawson was missing. Lawson was found face down in the field by his grandmother, Maria, who, along with her son and Lawson's father, Reese, rushed the boy to Worcestershire Royal Hospital. On the way to hospital, they were diverted to the nearby country centre where paramedics took over CPR. The inquest held at Worcestershire Coroner's Court in Stourport yesterday was told Lawson was very energetic and fearless and wanted to emulate his dad in every way. He had been told off by his dad, Reese, the day before the dog attack for climbing on the security fence. The inquest also heard how Maria Bond was a dog breeder and seller with more than 30 years' experience, but had never possessed a licence. Police inspected the Bond home where the attack occurred later in the day and found one of the three Wattweilers covered in blood. The dogs, which were put down in April last year following the attack, were described as calm and well-behaved. The coroner said there was no evidence there had been any issues between any of the dogs that Mrs Bond had bred and Lawson or anybody else. Officers found the dog facilities and security to be solid and well-kept. Senior coroner David Reid said the fact that Mrs Bond did not have a dog breeding licence did not contribute to Lawson's death in any way. Mr Reid did criticise Witchhaven District Council and Worcestershire Regulatory Services for not being more proactive in their search for dog breeders without licences and is concerned that dogs would continue to be sold by unscrupulous dealers if they do not make more checks. Front page on Wednesday, August the 23rd, Dog Torturers Investigation. Police probe after blood-curdling screams heard in den. A neighbour has described a horror at hearing the blood-curdling screams of what she believes was an animal being tortured within an overgrown den just feet from a children's play park. The woman, who doesn't wish to be identified, heard the sickening screams of what she believes was a dog being abused, coming from within a thick undergrowth at a copse near Turner's Close in Worcester. She says the incident happened on August the 7th between 9 and 10pm when a group of young adults entered the park. They were seen running into a den-like area concealed by bushes, she said, shortly followed by the screams which lasted three to four minutes. Meanwhile, police have stepped up patrols in the area, responding to concerns raised by Councillor Jill Desera on behalf of residents. The residents said she heard sickening screams of an animal being beaten or abused. The incident has since been reported to both the West Mercia Police and the RSPCA. Fighting back tears, she said, At the time I was in pieces. I love animals. It was just screams, blood-curdling screams. It was so piercing. This wasn't a yelp. It was screaming. It was horrible. That night, I couldn't sleep. The den is in thick undergrowth right next to a children's play park where she says people have sex and take drugs. I don't care what they do with themselves in there, but you must not hurt the animals. She explained that she did not want the cops removed, but wondered if CCTV might deter such activities involving animal cruelty and make the area safer. The resident says she later found a stick with bite marks at both ends, which may indicate where the animal uh, bit into it in order to defend itself from any assault. Councillor 
Jill Desera also raised concerns about the incident. The Warden City Councillor said part of the horror of this situation is where it was, right next to a children's play park. The only children's play park in Warnden. The Worcester News understands three people, two men and a woman, were seen entering the cops and that the incident lasted three to four minutes. Councillor Desera added, It's horrendous because of where it was. It was at night time, so it was fortunate no children were around to hear this. For, an anim- for a nation of animal lovers, when you hear of these sorts of rare incidents, it does make you go cold. I was shocked and horrified by what the person had heard. She said she hoped more witnesses would be able to come forward and provide information, reporting it either to West Mercia Police or the RSPCA. She says she's now exploring potential solutions with Worcester City Council officers, but nothing concrete has been yet agreed. PC Alan Figueredo, Safer Neighbourhood Officer for the Gorse Hill Safer Neighbourhood Team, said he has spoken to the councillor at Warnden Police Post about the issue. He said she informed us what she'd been told by some of the residents. We've not received any calls from the public about this, though. We shall still be patrolling the park area. The RSPCA was approached for a comment. Thursday, August the 24th. Logo Wars. Frustrated Italian restaurant owners say that a new city ice cream business used a similar name and logo to theirs. It's confusing customers. Owners at Valentino's, Fourgate Street, Worcester, Italian restaurant, running for almost 30 years, have taken to social media to set the record straight. In the past, they tell the people of Worcester they are nothing to do with Valentino Gelato in the city St Nicholas Street. This new ice cream venture is owned by Sheikh Aftab Latif, also known as Sheiky, founder of the takeaway Sheikies in Angel Street. Valentino Gelato opened in St Nicholas Street on July 17th this year, serving a range of different gelato flavours alongside milkshakes, desserts and coffee. In contrast, Valentino's in Fourgate Street is an Italian restaurant which has been open for 28 years this September. A spokesperson for the owners of Valentino's spoke this week of her absolute frustration about the situation. She wrote on Facebook, After receiving numerous queries and questions, we find it necessary to provide you with an update. A new ice cream establishment has recently opened in town. Curiously, they've chosen to name it Valentino Gelato, serving pizza too, and have even used a similar logo to ours with the exaggerated V. However, we want to clarify that we've not ventured into the ice cream business. This new venture, Valentino's Gelato, has no association with us. It's operated by Mr Shakey from Shakey's Takeaway and Shake and Play. Over the past two weeks, we've received several phone calls from frustrated customers who order through Uber Eats. We feel compelled to clarify we do not offer delivery services. We're genuinely disappointed that this new establishment has chosen such a similar name to ours. When we approached the owner, they claimed ignorance about our existence, despite our 28-year presence in Worcester. If you choose to order from them, Please refrain from contacting us with complaints. Remember, we are Valentino's Restaurant, while they are Valentino's Gelato. We wish them success, 
but it's disheartening that they've opted for a name and logo so akin to ours. However, Sheikh Aftab Latif, known as Sheiky, who set up Sheikhi's in Angel Street 23 years ago, said he'd been challenged over the similarity of the names by the owner of Valentino's in his dinner. He described the owner as being very rude in front of my staff. This is disputed by Valentino's, although they accept a conversation with one of the owners took place and say Sheiky told him his mother-in-law had chosen the name. The 69-year-old father of two said, he said I had stolen his name. I said, no, you are Valentino's restaurant. I am Valentino's gelato. I am the, he's va. Look, I didn't do it deliberately. I totally forgot about it. All the customers know Valentino's restaurant is Italian. They can't get confused. I have no intention to harm his business. It's a totally different venue. It's a totally different food. My food is ice cream. I didn't do anything deliberately. It just happened. My mistake. But everyone can see the difference. I'm giving him more publicity for his business. He's very lucky. Shakey's is more popular with the public than him. Golfers tee off for fundraising event. Golfers are invited to take part in an annual fundraising day on the fairway to support a Worcester-based hospice. The St Richard's Hospice Autumn Golf Day takes place at Fulford Heath Golf Club, Birmingham, on Thursday, September the 14th. Rhea Simmons, corporate fundraising lead at St Richard's Hospice, said, This fun event is a regular fixture in our fundraising calendar and it's one we always look forward to. We're excited to be holding this year's annual golf day at a different club and can't wait for a day of fundraising on the beautiful fairway at Fulford Heath. As always, we are so grateful to our event sponsor, Hallmark Watley Hume, who supports this event every year. Julian Powell, business director at Hallmark Watley Hume, said, We are proud to continue our support of St Richard's Hospice and the Autumn Golf Day. We are looking forward to a new venue at Fulford Heath. Golfers will start their day with bacon rolls, tea and coffee before heading onto the course in teams of four to play an 18-hole competition. The event be begins with a shotgun start at 1pm. There will be prizes for the first three teams, plus nearest the pin, the longest drive and a twos competition. The day will finish with a two-course dinner from 6.30pm, awards presentation, a raffle and an auction. Entry for a team of four costs £350. For more information or to register a team, visit www.strichards.org.uk event autumn golf day. Our contract corporate fundraising lead, Rhea Simmons, um, is on strichardshospice.org.uk. And St Richard's is, is an independent charity caring for adults with a serious progressive illness, improving their quality of life from diagnosis, during treatment and to their last days and supporting those important to them. Each year the hospice team supports more than 3,100 patients, family members and bereaved people in Worcestershire. For more information, please contact St Richard's Hospice. Loco sold to balance the books. Seven Valley Railway has opted to sell one of their out-of-service locomotives in a bid to secure their own financial survival. 
Black 5 left Seven Valley after being sold to an unnamed buyer. The locomotive had a special significance as it was one of the last steam locomotives to be used by British Rail, but it has spent the last four years in storage at Kidderminster in a carriage shed. The only, only last April, Seven Valley launched a 1.5 million survival appeal after being hit hard by the Covid pandemic and rapidly escalating running costs. Chris Walton, who is chairman of SVR Holdings, said we know that some people may be upset with this particular locomotive as left Seven Valley Railway, but it was the best interest of both the railway and the locomotive itself. It was absolutely the right thing to do as it increases the chances of the loco being stored and back into steam. We would not have been in a position to consider the locomotive's restoration in the foreseeable future. Of course, the funds we have received from the sale will help a great deal in improving Seven Valley's financial position as we plan for 2024, in the expectation that this will also be a challenging year. David Williams, one of the pioneering, pioneering preservationists at Seven Valley, said, The 45110 is an iconic engine and many people at Seven Valley have a strong and emotional attachment to it. However, an expensive restoration costing in the region of £1 million will be unthinkable. At present, the appeal has raised more than £400,000 and the sale of the loco will help boost the figure further. It is also possible that once restored, the 45110 may return to Seven Valley for a future event following discussions with its new owner. Preparations are well underway for this year's Salt Fest, which is set to be bigger and better than ever before. Droitwich Salt Fest is returning to Vines Park in Droitwich, bringing new events and themes across a four-day event. During the weekend, the free-to-attend festival will have parachute jumping, fireworks, a shopping village, a Roman village and a comedy club night. Droitwich Salt Fest celebrates the town's salt history and will start on Thursday, August the 31st at 7pm with its first ever Midlands Comedy Club Night. The outdoor shopping village will also have a bigger variety of stalls and a new food hall presented by the Droitwich Diners Club. The food hall will run a competition where Taran restaurants will compete in a cook-off to see who, will who can create the best dish using salt produced in Droitwich. There will also be a children's funfair and food vendors. Organiser Simon Berry said, We have been working tirelessly to bring the best local talent with a full lineup over the weekend starting Friday the 1st of September. Starting at 7pm, there's a variety of family activities, pony rides, the rivers and canal trust water safety education, salt making history, a Roman village and other events throughout the weekend to ensure there's something for everyone. The fitness village and wellness centre will host activities over two days and a wrestling match will be held on Saturday, September the 2nd at 4pm. To mark the Royal Navy Parachute Team's 40th anniversary, the group will jump from a helicopter over St George's playing field at 2.30pm on Sunday, September the 3rd. Also on Sunday, Saltfest Town Sports Academy, formed with Physique Fitness, will stage this year's 5k canal fun run to raise funds for local sports clubs and individuals. The festival will reach a finish on Sunday at 730 
with a firework display over St. Gust- Augustine's Church. City radio bosses bring back station. Worcester's Radio Wyvern presenter Paul Ellery is set to bring iconic Birmingham radio station BRMB back to life. Some of the original team behind the station that rebranded as Free Radio in 2012 will relaunch the station on FM and DAB across Birmingham and the West Midlands this September. Producer Muff Murfin has hired Paul Ellery, Programme Director at Wyvern in Worcester, to be the driving force behind the station, alongside Andre Stewart-Daniel, Mikey Faulkner, Paul Bryant, Phil Aldershaw, Ollie Nelson and Luke Crawford. On Monday, September the 4th at 11.52am, Les Ross, MBE, will officially relaunch BRMB on FM and DAB alongside the Mayor, Andy Street. Big City Radio will move online only to make way for this new service and BRMB will take over its FM frequency. The original BRMB started broadcasting nearly 50 years ago in 1974 but became free radio over a decade ago. Paul Ellery will be the programme controller for the new station and he told us that new BRMB will be Birmingham's go-to local station again with local news and music for the whole of Birmingham. The team have been planning this for most of the year and we're all really excited about the relaunch, he said. Muff Murfin, a radio jingle producer and the man behind the Gladiators TV show theme, said it's a dream to bring back the iconic name of BRMB to Birmingham. I'm sure it will be as successful as Wyvern has been in Worcester. Listen to Radio Wyvern on 106.7 FM, DAB Digital Radio and on your smart speaker by saying, Alexa, play Radio Wyvern. The Dean of Worcester, the very Reverend Peter Atkinson, has retired after more than 16 years in the post. The Dean also spent 43 years as a priest in the Church of England and his resignation was accepted by Queen Elizabeth II very shortly before her death. He was installed as Dean of Worcester in 2007. Born and brought up in Kent, he studied in Oxford, Cambridge and Rome before he was ordained as a deacon in 1979 and a priest in 1980. He married Lynn in 1983 and they have three children and three soon-to-be-four grandchildren. They are moving to Kirkby Moorside in North Yorkshire. The Dean has been the master of St Oswald's Hospital, the ancient almshouses in the Tithing and a governor of the King's School a member of the Worcester Conservation Area Panel and a trustee of the Worcester Festival. For ten years there was an annual Shakespearean production in the cathedral in which he always had a part. In 2014 he was awarded an honorary doctorate of letters by the University of Worcester. Marking his retirement, the Dean said, To have been Dean of Worcester has been the great privilege of my life. My family and I have lived in the centre of a historic city and at the heart of a beautiful county. I have had a small share in the custodianship of one of England's great cathedrals and been surrounded by a wonderful team of people. I thank God for all that I have learned during my time here and will continue to pray for the cathedral under the leadership of a new dean.
The Vice Dean of Worcester, Canon Stephen Edwards, has been appointed Interim Dean by the Bishop of Worcester and will serve until a new Dean is appointed and installed. Canon Edwards said, The Cathedral has been greatly blessed by Peter in so many ways over the past 16 years. His ministry has brought superb preaching and public speaking and the counsel of a wise priest and connections and engagement across the city and the region. All these gifts together with his leadership, friendship and generosity as Dean of Worcester have inspired and nurtured so many people. A special evensong will be held at the Cathedral at 4pm on Sunday, September the 10th to mark the Dean's retirement. The Cathedral's Guild of Bellringers will also ring a full peal from 12pm to 4pm to celebrate Peter's time in post. Rugby Union The Worcester Warriors Supporters Trust has become the first fully registered Supporters Trust in English Rugby. On August the 7th, the WWST, known, formerly known as Worcester Warriors Supporters Society Limited, had its application approved to be listed as a community benefit society by the Financial Conduct Authority. It's a big step for the Trust, who are hoping they can use their powers to assist the return of a men's Worcester Warriors team. Marcus Mulcahy is the chairman of the Trust and says this is just the beginning of their journey. Our primary purpose will always be to act as the credible and audible voice of Worcester Warriors supporters and indeed the whole population of a wider Worcestershire, he said, on behalf of the Trust. Whether a rugby fan or not, all of Worcester are so proud of Cecil Duckworth, whose determination and a few millions took Worcester Rugby Club from Tier 8 to Tier 1 of English rugby in less than a decade. We believe that Cecil's vision of raising the profile of not only the rugby club but also of the city cannot be betrayed. This has all come round since the men's team Warriors was disbanded as a result of the club going into administration. Whilst the Warriors women are now acting as a separate club, the men's team does not currently exist. Owners at the stadium, Jim O'Toole and James Sanford, Atlas Worcester Warriors, have said earlier this year that every effort will be made to bring the team back to life, most likely down in the Championship or in the National League system. But plans and communication in recent months have stalled, and as a result the Trust was formed to try and restore the damage done to the legacy of Cecil Duckworth, as well as to ensure the men's team does not fade out of existence totally. We do not pretend to have a magic wand, said Mulcahy. Our incorporation will not suddenly lead to announcements of the return of rugby, but we absolutely promise that we will do all possibly can to pressurise and cajole those in charge to have the men's rugby at the heart of their plans. We will press on with our plan to nominate Six-Way Stadium as an asset of community value. We will be reaching out on social media for all your ideas as to why Six-Way Stadium is indeed an asset, not just as a host for sporting events, but in so many diverse ways. We will also continue in our attempts to broaden the dialogue we have with administrators, receivers, owners, potential owners, and the RFU and other interested parties. FA Cup Football, Super Sub. Leighton the hero in City's Cup win. Kirk Leighton came off the bench to score the winner as Worcester City came from behind to beat Westfields 2-1 in the FA Cup on Saturday afternoon. 
The centre-half was brought on for the closing stages for striker Zach Hussein and vowed and wowed the visiting crowd with a shot from the edge of the box to seal City's place in the first round of qualifying. Westfields had taken the lead through Joel Edmonds as he scrambled the ball over the line just before the break. Dylan Hart equalised with a header nine minutes into the second half before Leighton's late heroics handed City the most dramatic victory. They now progressed to the first round of qualifying and the draw will be released for the next round on Monday lunchtime. It was a scrappy opening half with no less than eight yellow cards as both sides struggled to really get a grip of the game. The deadlock finally being broken five minutes before the break. It was a goal that summed up the half as the ball bobbled around the city box and Edwards was on hand to force the ball over the line. Another chaotic sequence inside the visiting box almost provided another goal for Westfields in stoppage time, but City somehow managed to keep it out and went into the interval just the one goal down. But they came out firing in the second half and were level in the 54th minute as Hart rose highest to send a looping header over the keeper and into the Westfield net. There were half chances at both ends as the two sides searched for the winner, which eventually came from the most unlikeliest of sources. Leighton was brought on in the final 10 minutes of normal time after missing the last couple of games, most likely to shore the defence up and potentially see the game out for a replay. But the centre-half was having none of that, and as the ball came out to him around 25 metres from the goal, he curled the ball into the far corner to stun the home crowd and send City fans home happy. <laughs> this is another football story. It's called Homecoming. City add to their firepower as Corn snaps up Insul. Worcester City have confirmed the signing of former Halezo in town and Redditch United striker Jamie Insull. Insull, born and bred in Worcester, will be reunited with City manager and good friend Chris Corns, whom he played with at the likes of Littleton, Pershaw, Redditch and Stourport Swifts in his early playing days. The non-league maverick, maverick well known for his no-holds-barred approach on social media, also played for Westfields, City's opponents in the league on Tuesday night. And according to records, he scored 111 goals across his stints with those local sides mentioned. The 31-year-old striker has gone on to play in the Scottish League, won with East Fife and featured in Champions League Europa League and Europa Conference League qualification matches in a successful spell with Cymru, Wales, Premier side, Conus Key, Nomads. Insull most recently played a pivotal role in helping Hales Owing Town gave promotion from step four and into step three, scoring the winning goal in the playoff final. He then moved to Redditch ahead of the 2023-24 season, but has left just after four games. City confirmed on Tuesday that the player has been registered in time to feature in Tuesday night's Hellenic League Premier Clash against Westfields at Clanes Lane, 7.45pm kickoff. Insul will be yet another top quality striker to have played levels much higher than this one City currently find themselves in, and Corn's attacking options have grown further. City's forwards, Jamie Insull, Dylan Hart, Liam Lockett, Elliot Hartley, 
Reese Taylor Randall, Kyron Evans, Kyron Belamonte, Isaac Reed, Robbie Thompson Brown, and Zach Hussein. Corns is going to have his work cut out trying to give everyone game time, and it's likely that some of those players will move on to find more minutes. And now some cricket. Metrobank One Day Cup. The Worcestershire Rapids are full of confidence and just on top of their game at just the right time, according to assistant coach Kadir Ali. The Rapids won their sixth game of eight Metrobank One Day Cup group matches at home to Sussex on Sunday, which secured their place in the quarter-finals of the competition. And coach Ali believes the side have peaked, peaked at exactly the right time. The boys are playing well. We are peaking at the right time, he said. Libs, that's Jake Libby, one-day skipper, just mentioned that the bowling, fielding and batting at the moment is peaking at the right time and that is really important in tournaments. We had a bad loss against Warwickshire here, but I think sometimes that does you some good as well. It gets you back down to earth and working hard again. We are happy with where we are. We are playing some really good cricket and have got a lot of confident boys up there. The Rapids will have to wait until the final round of matches has concluded on Tuesday to discover their quarter-final opponent and whether they will be playing that last match at home or away. On the whole, Worcestershire are enjoying a good season on the pitch and they have now reached the knockout stages in both white ball competitions. But having crashed out of the vitality blast in the quarter-finals in comprehensive style, they will be eager to go one better in the one-day one cup and Ali believes that the confidence within the camp will help them achieve that goal, especially after such an impressive performance against Sussex. I'm absolutely absolutely delighted for the boys, he added. They have worked really hard this year, and one of our aims in the T20 and 50 over competitions was to get the knockout stage, and we were absolutely brilliant against Sussex. The biggest thing for me has been the mentality. The lads have been really positive, played with some freedom and today win over Sussex was a great good example of that. We wanted to catch up with the net run rate and have gone out in the second innings and played like that. Kashif, Azar and Gareth were absolutely superb and that's the mentality that has got us going all through the year. And that's the end of our sports stories. So some more now interesting stories to help you uh, um, read the paper this week. Um. Okay, um, there's a stealth bomber been spotted. An incredible video of a B-2 stealth bomber flying over Malvern has been captured by an eagle-eyed resident. Laura Todd filmed the jet flying overhead on Thursday, August the 17th, as it was making its way to RAF Fairford. According to the United States Air Force website, the B-52, the B-2 Spirit is a multi-role bomber capable of delivering both conventional and nuclear munitions. In the video you can see the distinct shape of the plane clearly as it flies overhead before heading off into the distance. Laura Todd said the experience of seeing one fly with her, with her own eyes, was surreal. Was surreal. She said, I had heard a rumour there might be a couple of B-2s heading to RAF Fairford, but not entirely sure when. Then my son Brad, who was about 25 miles away, ran me to say he'd just seen it. I knew only one had about, about one minute to either grab the camera with the wrong lens or just see if I could video it from my phone. I heard it before I saw it. 
as it was just into the clouds, and as it passed over my house, it dropped below the cloud, and there appeared to be un the unmistakable shape of the stealth bomber. A-level success for Worcester students. There were celebrations at colleges and sixth forms across Worcester as students collected A-level results. However, Worcestershire was below the national average of students passing their A-levels this year as grade boundaries moved up after the pandemic. Across the county, there were 7,265 grades awarded at grades C and above, that's 73.8%. That's lower than the average across England at 75.3%. Hundreds of thousands of students UK-wide received their A-level results yesterday. That's uh, uh, Thursday, August 17th. In a year when ministers and the exams regulator in England aim to return to pre-pandemic pre grading. Despite the fall in stats across the county, schools were positive and were keen to highlight the achievements of their students. At Worcester Sixth Form College, Ashley Stevens was celebrating a stellar four-star A-stars, which would be taking him to Oxford University to study engineering. He said, in all honesty, I was never thinking about going to university until I came here. The staff really helped and pushed me to achieving this. I'm very excited to be going to Oxford. Alfie Senior was studying medicine at the University of Bristol and said, it's amazing to get the call. All the hard work I've put in feels really worth it. College principal Ed Senior said, I'm incredibly proud of the achievements of all our students. As a cohort, they suffered the effects of spending time in the formative years of their education, learning remotely and having not to be able to sit the GCSE exams. Rising to the challenge of completing A-level and applied exams and assessments, which were graded the same as students prior to the pandemic, who didn't face the challenge of COVID. Bobby Riddell, head of school at King's Worcester, will read philosophy, politics and economics at Durham, and senior scholar Grace Miller will study dentistry at the University of Bristol. Ben Sears achieved a choral scholarship in addition to his place to read law at Cambridge. RGS Worcester had its largest Year 13 group to date. John Pitt, headmaster, said, I'm so pleased our students have achieved such excellent examination results. I know the pressure of these exams as a parent and as head this year, and particularly for this year's group who didn't sit GCSEs because of the pandemic. Worcester Sixth Form College had a pass rate of 96.6% and the college achieved higher A-star, A and B grades than in 2019. King's Worcester saw a record-breaking 98% of students achieving grades at A-star to C. Overall, 18% of all grades were awarded A-star. 45% of results secured were A-star to A and 77% were graded A star to B. Gareth Dudes, headmaster, praised the students on their achievement on a highly successful day. He said, we are overjoyed to hear the outstanding accomplishments of our upper six students who persevered through years of disrupted study with unwavering determination and tenacity. Christopher Whitehead Language College had an average grade of B, but 17 students achieved three A star distinction grades. 10 out of 20 students achieved an A-star grade in maths and 74% of students achieved A-star to A in languages. Street Brawler's luck runs out. 
A street brawler and his family were shocked when a judge announced he would be going to prison. Thug Shane Johnson got involved in a second street fight outside a Birmingham nightclub, despite being on police bail and under investigation for an earlier fight, Worcester Crown Court heard. Syed Ahmed, prosecuting, said the 29-year-old's first fight took place in August 2021 in Evesham. The court heard Johnson initially try to step in to be a peacemaker in the large street fight that had broken out. But Johnson became aggressive and tried to finish off the victim to protect his friend. He took the victim to the ground and punched the victim to the head. The victim suffered lumps to his head and grazes to his knee and was left feeling anxious. Johnson was arrested for that attack in September 22, but despite being on bail, it didn't stop him from offending again. Johnson was outside a Birmingham nightclub at 4am on November 3rd, 2021, when two people were trying to get in. Syed Ahmed said, unprovoked, Johnson attacked one of the two, punching them to the head, causing him to go to the ground. The prosecutor said the victim's friend appeared to say something before Johnson swung and hit him to the head. Johnson's attention turned back to the first victim, kicking him in the face, knocking him unconscious. The first victim suffered a lump to his head, while the second victim said he had suffered pain which had affected his hearing. The prosecutor said Johnson had 29 previous convictions for 45 offences, including for public order and assaulting an emergency worker. Johnson, who appeared in the dock to be sentenced for two counts of ABH and a common assault at Worcester Crown Court on Tuesday, August 23rd, was represented by Andrew Davidson. The barrister told the court both involvements in the fights had been short-lived with no pre-planning. Mr Davidson said Johnson was now a different man, horrified of his past crimes. He said Johnson had moved to Lynburn Caravan Site in Morpeth, Northumberland, from his previous address in Borrowdale Drive, Worcester, to get away from those he used to associate with. He has a wife. In April, his son was born, the barrister said. He's working hard to provide for them. The barrister asked for any prison sentence to be suspended. But when Judge Nicholas Cartwright announced that it had to be immediate jail, Johnson had his head in his hands while there were sobs and sighs from the family in the public gallery. The judge said it had to be immediate custody as the defendant had been involved in two fights in a public place. Johnson, who was jailed for 16 months, shouted out to the public gallery he loved his family before being taken down. Three great British Bake Off stars will be appearing at the Mulvern Autumn Show. Series 3 winner John Waite, who also finished runner-up on the 2021 series of Strictly Come Dancing, will be sharing stories and memories through food at the Three Counties Showground. John has written five cookery books and a memoir, Dancing on Eggshells, which is published on August 24th. Christelle Perriara, who competed in the 2021 series of GBBO, will be discussing how to make vegetables the star of the meal with chef-turned-food and travel photographer Joe Woodhouse. Christelle has written a cookbook, Flavour Kitchen, which showcases easy recipes using the most vibrant and exciting flavours. 
Jürgen Krauss won the hearts of many during GBBO's 2021 season and will be showing visitors to the autumn show how to prepare for a great festive season alongside Rebecca Seal, author of The Ginger Pig. Jürgen hails from the Black Forest but now lives in Brighton. His new book, The German Baking Book, a celebration of German home baking, is published in August. The show takes place at the Three Counties Showground on September the 22nd, 23rd and 24th. A variety of cuisines will be on offer in the Kitchen Theatre, which will be hosted by award-winning food and garden writer and photographer Mark Diacono for the three days. The Popular Garden Theatre will return for 2023, hosted by Escape in the Country presenter Nikki Chapman, who will be joined by a star-studded lineup of guests, including Ben Dark, head gardener and award-winning broadcaster, working at the top of British horticulture, and Kieran Sidhu, author of the moving book I Can Hear the Cuckoo, Life in the Wilds of Wales. BBC Gardener's World presenter Arit Anderson and Adam Frost will be making return visits, as will popular florist Jonathan Mosley, whose exuberant displays never fail to please audiences. For more information, visit https-www.morvanautumco.uk. New food delivery app in the city. A new food delivery app featuring deliveries for local restaurants is coming for residents of Worcester. Woo Eats is the new food delivery app being teased across social media platforms and is set to take on names like Just Eat, Uber Eats and Deliveroo. Hungry customers will be able to order food for delivery from exclusive city restaurants. The business is owned and operated by Jabba Riaz, who also serves as a Worcester City Councillor and is a former mayor of Worcester. Although a launch date has yet to be confirmed, it is expected that Woo Eats will launch in October. Woo Eats said its business ethos is to support and invest in Worcester. The message is displayed on social media and the sentiment was echoed by Councillor Riaz. He said, I am a local guy with experience in the food industry. I love Worcester, I love helping businesses and I have the experience to be able to do this. There is no local food ordering service in Worcester and fees local businesses are being charged a lot and fields I think being charged a lot by bigger operators and the charges are quite significant. Woo Eats is a way for businesses to keep money in their pockets and reinvest it in their business and for customers to have access to a variety of exclusive restaurants. The logo of Woo Eats features three pairs synonymous with Worcester. Businesses such as Altaf's Grill, Anna's Bolty, Bill's Grills, Mother Hubbard's and Munchies are already confirmed to be coming to the app. Mr Riaz said Woo Eats will also offer business owners a more personal approach than larger providers. He said we already have a lot of restaurants signing up, this will be a better service than the bigger providers offer as the business owners can invest in local marketing campaigns and receive one-to-one service from us as we are based in Worcester. I care about Worcester and I really care about local businesses. This is a no-brainer for me. It allows me to work with local businesses, maintain relationships and improve the businesses for the owners and the Worcester people that use them. Mr Riaz 
also plans to invest money in local charities that will be selected by WooEat users. Police hunt bike thieves. A 17-year-old boy has been bailed after he was arrested for motorbike thefts as a police helicopter searched for the rest of the gang and night patrols have stepped up. The youth was interviewed on Wednesday evening and has been bailed pending the results of forensic testing on the bikes he is suspected of stealing. West Mercia Police responded to the attempted theft of a motorbike in Hooper Close Berwick at approximately 12.10am on Wednesday. Three bikes were recovered in Powick when two suspects fled the scene, leading to a search using the police helicopter. It is believed the group may be behind a string of thefts of bikes ranging from a 50cc to 125cc and have been particularly active in St John's, Rushwick and Powick. In the meantime, night patrols have been stepped up until the other suspects are caught. Inspector Peak Frankish said inquiries are still ongoing regarding the outstanding suspects who will be arrested in due course. My team has instructions to continue with the nighttime patrols and pursue actively the offenders. West Mercia police used thermal imaging cameras to try and locate others believed to be involved after making the arrest at around 1am on Wednesday. The youth was arrested on suspicion of burglary and free thefts of motor vehicles. Inspector Frankish, based in Castle Street, said on Wednesday, essentially, we've had a raft of thefts of scooters and motorbikes and people breaking into vehicles and these are linked to some car key burglaries where keys are taken and vehicles are stolen. CCTV footage has identified two other suspects who made off and they are being sought by West Mercia Police. The response inspector said information from the public could help catch the two suspects, including ring doorbell footage, while keeping bikes locked up and secure could help prevent others from becoming victims. Inspector Frankish advised anyone who suspects a theft in progress should dial 999 so resources could be deployed rapidly to the scene and arrests made. Those with information are advised to contact West Mercia Police on 101. However, in the event of a theft in progress or suspicious activity, the advice is always to call 999. Rebellious Bill turns 100. A Malvern man celebrated his 100th birthday says being rebellious is the secret to a long life. Bill Poulton, a resident at Friends of the Elderly's Davenham Care Home in Graham Road, celebrated the milestone with a birthday afternoon tea. He also received a special congratulatory card from the King. Bill, who's been a resident at Davenham since March 2019, grew up in the West Midlands and attended Dudley's Boys Grammar School and Queen Mary's Grammar School. Bill remembers his weekly pocket money. I used to receive either a penny or halfpenny, but it didn't last long, he said. I either spent it on sweets, ice cream or rubber bands, which I used to ping and launch surprise attacks on my parents. Growing up, Bill was very good at athletics. I was a fast runner and won the 100 yards and 200 yard races at school sports day. Bill said I enjoyed sports and being outdoors. During the war, Bill joined the army. I can't recall exactly how old I was, but I do remember that I didn't take to the sergeant major or sergeant. I didn't like the way they bossed me around. 
To be honest, I've never liked anyone who tried to boss me around, Bill added. That type of behaviour has never worked on me or driven me to do my best. I hate any type of act of contempt. Marrying his wife Joan, Bill's career saw him move into the financial world and became a banker in a high-powered and responsible position. Happily, now Bill enjoys a quieter, less hectic life at Davenham. I think my secret to such a long and happy life is my motto, which is, don't do everything you're told to do, he said. You must be a bit rebellious, just a bit. It stood me well. The other day I was talking to one of the carers who asked me if I could have any superpower, which one would I choose? And I laughed and said, what do you mean? I am a superpower. I mean, reaching reaching my 100th birthday is a superpower all by itself, isn't it? Bill is a charming resident, said Sue Ann Park, the registered manager at Davenham. He's very content and enjoys relaxing in his special chair and reading, joining in with some of our activities and chatting with the care team and the other residents. A butcher who retired earlier this year is coming back after missing the job and saying he found retirement boring. Philip Watson made the decision to retire after spending almost three decades at Sid Smith & Son inside the gallery market hall in the Shambles. But less than eight weeks after selling his last string of sausages, Mr Watson has reopened his butcher's shop after missing work and having a lot of calls from former customers. He said, things have certainly changed for me since I retired. The first two weeks were fine, but then I started to get bored at home. As well as that, customers who may not have known at first that I had moved on were calling me and asking if I would be coming back. I could see that there were still a lot of people who wanted to visit the butchers, so I decided to satisfy my customers and for myself as well. Mr Watson praised his customers and said how much he was looking forward to seeing them all again. He said, my regulars are brilliant and it will be lovely to see them all again when I get back. I have been doing this for the last 20 odd years and after all those years I'm very used to it, so going back is great. This last week there have been loads of people calling me saying they were happy to hear I was coming back. Lots of people have got in touch. I was getting 15 to 20 calls a week before from people who had not realised I'd left. I'm 64 years old but my plan is to carry on and hopefully welcome some customers, new customers as well in the future. Mr Watson originally wanted to retire sooner but continued working due to the rising bills and costs being experienced across the UK. Mr Watson's final day was on Saturday July the 1st and he hoped someone else would take over the business. In January Mr Watson's wife Karen Watson made the difficult decision to close Cheese to Please which was based just next door to the butchers due to rising costs. And, and now she is considering whether she will go back as well. I've got a story here about um, a man who stole more than £3,500 from the safe of a Worcester pub. He was encouraged to start saving towards paying compensation if he gets a job. The sentencing of Jamie King of Fortuna Way, Kemsey was delayed again after a court was told he had recently suffered mental health issues. As previously reported, King was employed as unit manager at the Cardinal's Hat. King was in a position of responsibility to bank the takings, but a bookkeeper found there were shortages between December 
in February 20, February 2022, King admitted stealing £3,350, but when the case got to Crown Court in April, he claimed he had stolen hundreds and not thousands. The case was adjourned for a trial of issue known as Newton Hearing. To resolve that dispute, King later accepted it was true he had stolen thousands. In July, Judge Martin Jackson gave King a chance to prove himself by completing 85 outstanding hours from a previous community order, adjourning the case until yesterday. But yesterday, Niall Skinner, defending, said regrettably his mental health has deteriorated. He did not approach his doctor, but he has done that now. As a result, he has not been able to do anything at this point. King had been signed off work earlier this month, and Mr Skinner said... The defendant now felt able to complete the hours. He believes he is getting better. He has job opportunities. Mr Skinner added as he applied for sentencing to be adjourned for King to complete the unpaid, unpaid work. Sally Cairns, prosecuting, said it was a matter for the court whether or not to grant another adjournment, but highlighted some of the earlier delays had been King's fault. Judge Jackson said, having given the opportunity once for King to do unpaid work, it will be harsh, harsh to refuse an adjournment where there has been a medical reason. The judge told King to attend his sentencing October the 20th and said if he secured work in the coming weeks he should be saving money to prove to the court at sentencing he was prepared to pay back to Mr Smith. It's not an expectation or anything like that. It's a com- comment I make, said Judge Jackson. Drug dealer sent to jail. A 29-year-old man caught dealing crack cocaine on a Worcester towpath has been jailed. Alonzo Stanfield made trips from Wolverhampton to sell drugs in Worcester as part of his county lines criminality, Worcester Crown Court heard. Simon Phillips prosecuting said Stanfield had originally denied the offences but had to review ahead of his trial, Stanfield changed his plea, admitting to being concerned in the supply of crack cocaine and possessing criminal property. Mr Phillips told the court at 2.30pm on March 15th this year, police observed the canal towpath in Tallow Hill near Shrub Hill, Worcester. The prosecutor said three people approached Stanfield on the towpath before an exchange took place. One of the three then moved to under a towpath bridge when he began to smoke a crack pipe. Police arrested Stanfield Anonym was cash and a burner mobile phone linked to drug dealing. The prosecutor said a search of his partner's home in Wolverhampton revealed Stanfield's drug paraphernalia, including scales, three other mobile phones and SIM cards. Analysis of the phone showed there was a contact list of 120 people, with a significant proportion of them being Class A drug users. Mr Phillips said a blank text message would be sent out to users which was the signal that drugs were ready to be sold. Cash was also seized, £780 on him at the time of his arrest, and £1,460 found at the Wolverhampton flat. Babir Singh, defending, told the court Stanfield had no previous drug convictions. He said a defendant of Lower North Street, Walsall, who appeared on video link from HMP Huell, had shown remorse and recognised he had let down his partner and his two children. Sentenced in Stanfield, Judge Nicholas Cartwright said, you were travelling to Worcester to sell crack cocaine. The aggregate, aggravating feature is that you were on licence for robbery. 
The judge said Stanfield had an awareness of the entire drug operation and he would have had an expectation of significant financial advantage. The judge jailed Stanfield for a total of three years and three months. The case was heard at Worcester Court on Monday, August the 21st. Rising costs forced trust to leave base. A trust founded by Cecil Duckworth is to leave its city base because of rising costs. The Duckworth Trust is leaving the pump house in Barbourne, Worcester. The environmental charity, the Duckworth Worcestershire Trust, based at the pump house in Gallivelt Park since 2001, will leave at the end of this year, trustees have announced. A spokesperson for the Trust said, despite running a popular cafe at the pump house, we've been unable to cover the costs of being in the building. Over the past two years, the Trust has been looking at alternatives on how to run the cafe and building. Spokesperson said, but unfortunately, we have not found a solution. Consequently, the trustees have concluded that the best opportunity for the Trust to survive and continue doing good wood work in the city is to vacate the pump house. We aim to continue running the cafe and holding events and supporting volunteers for as long as possible, but expect to leave the building by the end of the year. We want to thank all the staff at this difficult time who've done so much over the years to support the DWT. The Trust was established 25 years ago by Cecil Duckworth, who founded the environmental charity the Duckworth Worcestershire Trust. Over the years, the Trust has worked with volunteers to remove litter and graffiti, created community gardens and play areas, run a resource exchange that reduced waste going to landfills, and much more. The, the Trust still owns and manages Chapter Meadows for the benefit of the people of Worcester. The endowment left by Cecil Duckworth to continue the work of the DWT is coming to an end. Last year they had to close the Worcestershire Resource Exchange, mainly due to cost pressures. Since 2001 they've been based in the Pump House Environmental Centre, leasing the building on a peppercorn rent from the City Council. Despite running a popular cafe at the Pump House, they've been unable to cover the costs of being in the building. Beatrice Duckworth says, My husband Cecil always had an interest in the environment. When he was walking around the factory, he would pick up any used paper cups and any odd bits of rubbish. It was the same when we went for a walk. He would pick up any litter from the roadside, and when he retired, he set up the Duckworth Worcestershire Trust with a view to helping the environment, which has been operating from the pump house since 2001. The lease for the pump house is up for renewal and Cecil's endowment has also come to an end and it is with great regret that we, the trustees, feel we should leave the pump house. We would like to thank all our staff and all our volunteers for all their help and support. We couldn't have achieved that without them. History will be brought to life when the Worcestershire Living History Show comes to historical Upton-upon-Seven. The family-friendly show takes place on Saturday, September the 16th, between 10am and 5pm, and on Sunday, September the 17th, from 10am to 4pm, at Fish Meadow in Upton. The field is where the, non the notable Battle of Upton took place during the English Civil War in 1651. 
The show, created by Worcester Reenactors, is the largest multi-period reenactment event in the area and is supported by Morven Hills District Council with a £1,000 grant from the Council's Festival Development Fund. During the action-packed weekend, visitors will get the chance to meet soldiers and civilians from 2,000 years of history. The event will showcase historic battles and display activities, including Roman, medieval, English civil wars, Napoleonic, American Civil War, the First World War and the Second World War. A variety of food and drink refreshments will be on offer at the show, along with a beer tent and market stalls. Tickets cost £10 for adults, £5 for children aged 5 to 16 and children under 5 are free. Councillor Beverly Nielsen, portfolio holder for economic development and tourism at Morven Hills District Council, said this should be a spectacular and educational event for those interested in our extraordinary history. It's lovely to see such a fun, exciting and colourful festival coming to the district. It's a real boost for tourism, a great chance for a day out for local families and a great opportunity for local businesses. The Battle of Upton took place on August 28, 1651 and saw a detachment of Oliver Cromwell's new model army launch a surprise attack on the Royalists defending the river crossing. The successful attack saw the Royalist commander Major General Edward Massey severely wounded and forced the surviving Royalists out of the town and north towards Worcester. Drugs farm sentencing awaits man. A man is to be sentenced later this month for his role in a large cannabis farm at a former pound shop in Worcester City Centre. Dennis Voker, 24, of no fixed abode, previously admitted being concerned in the production of a controlled drug of Class B cannabis. Voker was involved in the production at the cannabis farm at the former Poundland store in the shambles between April the 1st and June the 6th this year. Police found a 500-plant cannabis farm in the upper section of the empty shop in June. Staff working near the former shop said they noticed a strong smell of cannabis in the morning. His co-accused, Jeku Kadri, 41, appeared unrepentant and told the court he could not speak English during an earlier hearing and has yet to enter a plea. The latest hearing, scheduled for July the 24th, was adjourned and Voker is now to attend his sentencing on August the 28th. Kadri will also have his case heard on that date after seeking legal advice. The pair are remanded in custody until the hearing. Burglary suspect named. A 34-year-old man charged with a house burglary and thefts from city stores has been named by the police. Ashley Barnes of Sanson Place, Worcester, has been named after his charge with a burglary in Battenhall Road and a theft from a shop in the Shambles and theft in Diglis. A spokesperson for the West Mercy Police said... The neighbourhood crime-fighting team overnight secured charges for Ashley Barnes, a 34-year-old male from Samson Place, Worcester, for a home burglary yesterday at Battenhall Road, Worcester, a theft from Stall in the Shambles and another theft on Tuesday from premises Nicholas Road. He has been remanded in custody to appear at Kidminster Magistrates' Court. As previously reported, a, a suspect ran away from police officers following reports of a theft from a store in the shambles. The suspect was later tracked down and found in a garden 
on Timberdine Avenue and arrested it at around 10.40. City Centre Police were supported by officers from the new Neighbourhood Crime Fighting Team who were also on patrol in the area at the time. A spokesperson for Worcester SNT said this was a great result for the community, apprehending and arrested a suspected shoplifter so swiftly after the alarm was raised. We were able to do this thanks to support from our colleagues in the Neighbourhood Crime Fighting Team. There were large numbers of police seen in Batten Hall Road. E-Scooter Lanes Calls An 81-year-old e-scooter user has praised the transport method and has called for their implementation in Worcester. Ian Dunn from Worcester regularly uses e-scooters when visiting cities across the UK which have the schemes in operation. Mr Dunn said, thinks that e-scooters are critically important for making the city greener. He said, some people may say perhaps an 81-year-old shouldn't have an option on this, but I use them regularly and I think it's important. They are cheaper than a bus, as you only pay for the time you're on them, and they're also incredibly easy to use. I feel they get such a bad reputation when really they are the way forward, but they need the proper legislation and control. I think it's critically important inner city areas have to be made cleaner and to do this we need to encourage active travel. Mr Dunn first began using e-scooters to get around Portsmouth along the seafront and to visit. He said in Portsmouth there are lots of lanes for bikes and scooters which made it easy for me to get to the historical dockyard and other areas. The picture of me on the e-scooter for this article was taken in Gloucester where they're also used regularly. I'm aware that people are getting hurt on these things but I think it's down to the trails being extended everywhere instead of the proper infrastructure being put in place. It must be taking so much police time dealing with these scooters. People perceive them to be a toy and think they're just used by kids. Councillor Marjorie Bissett, co-leader of Worcester City Council, said proper infrastructure is needed before considering e-scooters. She said, in principle, I'm in favour of anything that encourages greener travel in Worcester. However, at the moment, we have cyclists in Worcester that are risking their lives as there's no proper infrastructure for them. I think before we can look at adding e-scooters into the mix, we need to first properly look at the entire infrastructure first. And reading more, Councillor Denham downplays Worcester's chances for e-scooter trial. Last month it was confirmed that Worcester will be benefiting from a public bike-hire scheme by spring 2024, but the chances of an e-scooter trial were downplayed. Millions are not turning on the heat. <clears throat> Millions of UK householders are at risk of becoming ill because they are not switching on their heating when it's cold. A witch survey of 4,000 people found high energy bills had led to almost 9 in 10 households trying to cut back on their energy usage, while nearly half said they had not turned their heating on when it was cold last winter. Health experts warn that maintaining cold temperatures in homes in winter can place people at higher risk of developing respiratory and cardiovascular diseases like asthma and heart disease and strokes. Some 37% of those surveyed <coughs> said they were worried that their ability to recover from illness 
was worse now than before the cost of living crisis began. The findings come as Ofgem is set to announce its latest price cap for bills from October on Friday, with forecasts predicting it will drop to around £1,925 for an average household. One woman surveyed by which, with an annual income of less than £15,000, told the consumer group, it has a negative impact in all aspects of my life. I really struggle. We're always cold at home, but I'm too scared to put the heating on. Another woman with an annual household income of less than £10,000 said, I have multiple disabilities, one being fibromyalgia, and I can't afford to put any form of heating on which is causing increased pain. It's excruciating and therefore affecting everything I do. The survey suggests that half of households on less than £20,000 are not turning the heating on when it's cold compared to a third of households with annual incomes of more than £80,000. Nearly half of households with annual incomes of between £20,000 and £45,000 and just under half of households on £45,000 to £80,000 said they did not turn the heating on when it was cold. Those aged 45 to 65 years old are also more likely than other age groups not to turn the heating on in cold weather and which suggested this is because they were likely to have more financial responsibilities and younger age groups such as dependent children but not the pension savings accessible by older people. More than half of consumers reported wearing extra layers at home, said they were using the oven less and a third were cutting the number of baths or lengths of showers they took, which has called for a property, properly targeted social tariff with recent, with recent proposals by Citizen Advice urging the same based on both household income and energy usage. Thank you very much, Peter. And that concludes all our items this evening. Um, So we'd like to bid you all a very uh, good week, weekend, and a good week. It is bank holiday, so there'll be quite a bit of uh, activity over the weekend, things going on. So if you can get out and about see things, then I hope you enjoy it, and the weather is with you all the way. Um, If not, just have a nice week, won't you? And good night from us all. Good night. Good night. Good night. And the thought for the week um, is um, First John, uh, chapter three, verses one. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. And the obituaries this week. Janet or Jeanette Lloyd, known as Janet, passed away peacefully on the 11th of August, aged 84 years. A funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 23rd of August. Oh, I'm so sorry, that that, well, that was yesterday. Um, but uh, I'm sure if you were to get in touch with the funeral director, if you'd like to, uh, you would be able to perhaps contact the family. It was family flowers only, but donations, if desired for the RSPCA, uh, were left at the crematorium or can be sent to EJ Gummery and Son, 68 to 70, Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. Penny Flockhart. Uh, she passed peacefully away on the 8th of August. Um, 
uh, it doesn't say anything about her age, but the funeral service is at the Vale Crematorium in Flabbury, um, and that's WR10 2QR, and that's on Sunday, September the 3rd at 11am. Family flowers only, please. Donations to Let Us Worship may be sent to E. Hill and Son, Funeral Directors, Pershaw, WR10 1HZ. Dr. Nicholas Dyer passed away on the 14th of August, aged 86 years. Inquiries about funeral and so on are to A.E. Bennett and Sons, Stratford-upon-Avon. And there's a telephone number 01789 267 Harold Turner, he passed away on the 4th of August, aged 96 years, and he's from Worcester. His funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday, the 31st of August at 11.30am. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for the Royal British Legion may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68-70, Ombsley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. Edmund Davis, he passed away at Blandford Community Hospital on Saturday the 29th of July, aged 96 years. His funeral service will take place on Friday tomorrow at Our Lady Queen of Peace Church at 12 noon, that's in St John's, Worcester, and the committal is at St John's Cemetery. Donations, if desired, can be sent to the Commercial Travellers Benevolent Institution or left in the donation box provided. All inquiries to AV Band Funeral Directors, St John's, Worcester, WR24LE. Telephone number 01905 And uh, Andrew Roberts... Now, you will possibly know this gentleman, a city councillor, former mayor of Worcester and assistant chief officer of Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service. He passed away peacefully at home after a short illness with his family by beside him on the 10th of August, aged 74 years. His funeral service is at Worcester Cathedral on Monday the 4th of September at 12.30pm. Everyone is welcome to attend the service and fam- there will be family flowers only, but donations, if desired, for Worcester Community Trust or Worcester Environment Group. Environment Group, sorry. Donations can be sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68 to 70 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. And many thanks go to the Riverside District Nursing Team. Mm-hmm. 